0: And see what he has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those. Just the bare bones bottom of what the word of God. The meat and potatoes if you will. So I hope you enjoy And pass along and share. Now let's get to the lesson. Hello again. We're back. We're in Matthew chapter 15, finished up through verse, uh, let's see, 28. Moving on into verse 29, hopefully we can finish the chapter in this session. Now, what you're going to see here is um, a repeat performance by Jesus. Um, And I'll have something to say about that in a few moments when we get into it. Um, but you know, you remember in the previous chapter, Jesus fed to five thousand, and this one he's feeding to four thousand. So we'll talk about that in in just a moment, um, because they're not the same event. But it says in uh, let's see, in the beginning in verse twenty nine, and and really what I want I want to point out to you, we mentioned in the last section about you know it was a teaching moment that God was using for or Jesus was using for the disciples. <clears throat> In this one, I think there are just things that you and I need to learn. There are, I just want to point out some lessons, I guess, for uh, for you and I to absorb and get out of this passage. So, in verse 29, and Jesus departed from thence. Um, you remember he had encountered the lady from the area of Tyre and Sidon. Um, now he's back. He says he came nigh of the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat there. So. And now he's kind of reversed course. He's just pretty much he went up towards Tyre and Sidon, turned around and came back. That's why I said in the last chat, the last verse or a, a podcast that that I believe what he did there was he had deliberately gone to for that meeting of the woman. So anyway, he came back back to the, near the, the region of the Sea of Galilee, which, as I said before, that was the, the bulk of his ministry was in and around the Sea of Galilee. Um, so he comes back and he goes up into a mountain and sat down there. Now, you know, you and I think of a mountain, we think of the 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 Great Rockies or the Great Smoky Mountains or something like that. It's not so much that. It's just more a hilly area or a place where he can go and be alone. It's probably kind of high up, but but easily accessed not like you're trying to scale the side of a cliff or something like that, because it says in verse 30, a great multitude came unto him. Um, so Jesus went <clears throat> and up into the mountain, found a, 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 a place there, and I believe, of course, he knows what's about to happen, and he, so he finds a place that will accommodate the crowd that's coming, and he sits down to just rest and wait. I guess the lesson that I want to point out here is that Jesus is waiting. He's waiting for the people then to come to him. The message has gone out as to who he is and what he can do. And while, yes, in verse 30, it says, "...the multitude came to him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them." Um, They they were coming for healing and that sort of thing, but it, it doesn't matter. In Jesus' case, this is a genuine situation. He has the ability to heal. Uh, and he has the ability to use that as uh, a means of sharing who he really is. But I want to kind of chase a rabbit here for just a minute because notice what it says. they came it said, came with him those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed. You know, today you see faith, faith healers all over the place. You know, everywhere you turn, there's a faith healer. Uh, <clears throat> I even saw not too long ago that Kenneth Copeland was talking about um, he believes he might possibly be the first billionaire faith, faith healer, you know, crazy stuff. But anyway, um, these faith healers that you see today, they get up on stage and they perform these miracles. I don't have time to get into all the deception and everything and all the tricks that they use and things that are involved in that. Involved in that. But just, you know, it comes to mind here as I see this. People brought the lame to him. Now, they supposedly heal people that are lame. They throw clutch crutches and and um, wheelchairs and stuff away. People get up and walk. Of course, I believe that's all fake, but it doesn't matter. you know that they claim they can heal those those who are lame. Um, he says he healed the blind. Um, I think maybe sometimes they'll use these the blind dumb. <clears throat> um, people who can't speak or people who can't see who suddenly they can, they try to heal them. That's a whole lot less prevalent. Usually, it's lame people, people on crutches who can't walk or whatever that that they heal. But <clears throat> they, uh, you know, they, they they don't so often heal the blind and the dumb. But that's a little harder to fake. And the maimed, you know, they don't give people new arms. I know you they have these. They have this little trick they use to make people think they can make somebody with a, one short, one leg shorter than the other grow and, and match the other. But you know that they don't really do that. But but they certainly don't bring somebody up on stage who's missing a leg and they give them a new leg. And you know that they, they just they can't do that. Uh, they can't even fake that. So anyway, that's the rabbit I want to chase. But Jesus obviously could. So he was clearly genuine. love to have seen how that happened, just as I'd love to have seen how he fed these 4,000. I'll mention in a few moments. Verse uh, 31, Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, he was able to transition this into true worship. Um, They actually recognized who he was and, and, and ultimately, you know, my, well, they may have come in order to be healed. They left understanding that they had encountered Jesus. Then Jesus called his disciples in verse 32 unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. One or two things I'd like to point out here <clears throat> Jesus has no desire to send you out among the wolves unequipped. Um, he needs time to develop you. Um, it's not a quick fix kind of thing. If you if you feel a calling to serve Christ in some some way, evangelism, music, teaching, whatever it is, don't do it until you're sure he's ready to send you. Because he has no intention of sending you unequipped to accomplish his will because he knows what you're going to face. He knows the resistance that you're going to meet. He knows what it's going to take to equip you for the ministry he's chosen specifically for you. And Let me also point out, let's say you're called to preach. God calls a lot of people to preach, and in that your ministry is similar, but your ministry is also unique, because even though God calls you to preach, He calls you to preach to a certain group, to a certain people, or at a certain place, or at a certain time, or for a certain situation. We don't always know what it is, you just know that God calls you to preach, and you, you kind of follow His will along the way. You have to depend upon Him at all times, because the last thing you want to do is go somewhere, or do something, or speak to people that... God has not called you to do. <clears throat> you don't want to get involved in ministry that's not your ministry. God is going to equip you, He's going to give you what you need. He has compassion on you, and He wants to use you to the fullest extent of your potential, but He has to develop that potential. So wait for Him, be patient. Kind of like missionaries that are on deputation, you know, they have a they have a burden to go to a particular country or place or whatever it is, but they have to raise funds and make it possible to go and make arrangements to be able to do that. It takes time. Be patient. God has a ministry for you. All right, verse thirty-three, and his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much? Uh, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? You would think. <clears throat> they learned from their first situation, as I mentioned before, this is not the same. And I think it's in the next chapter, 16 or 17, somewhere along in there, actually clarifies that These are two different events. And so you would think that they had learned from the first one that God's going to supply their needs. And, <clears throat> you know, the first one was five loaves and two fishes. This one, they have seven loaves because Jesus said to them, verse 34, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves have you? And they said seven and a few little fishes um, look don't worry about what you have whatever you have give it to God God's gonna use it he can make it last he can make it work don't concern yourself with what God has equipped you with take what he has given you you return it to him let him use it through you um, and so that's what he does here don't worry about what you have just just make sure that you give to him everything you have. Don't hold back. All seven fishes are seven loaves of bread, and a few little fishes. Give it all, Jesus. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes, gave thanks, and broke them, and gave the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Now here in verse. Uh, Thirty-six. There's. I'm going to be here for just a little bit. We've got about five minutes left, but I want to use it most of all to point out just a few teaching points. I would love to have seen that this multiplication. I mentioned this when we talked about the five thousand. I would like to have witnessed the transition. You know, when the seven loaves was transitioned into enough to feed all these people, and then have all this left over. And I'll I'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, but you know you never really get to see that we just know that what we give to god is sufficient and he is able to take that and multiply it in such a way that it's sufficient to to meet the needs of a lifetime Um, and it amazes me sometimes how you know god can use me and how he can do things through me that things that i don't feel you know equipped to do and and yet he does it It, because in verse 37 and they did all eat and were filled and took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. Look, just be grateful with uh, what you have. You know where you are, and whatever is your ministry, wherever God has called you to serve, go there. <clears throat> my life has taken several turns during the course of my life. I've pastored. I've, I've, I've traveled with a singing group. Of course, I've taught. Now I'm, I'm I'm working as a minister of music at my church. I, I never thought I'd see the day that I would, would be equipped to do that, and, and I certainly don't feel that I am. I have so many shortcomings. I don't understand how I'm in this position because I don't deserve to be here, and I'm not capable of doing what I'm doing. And yet, you know, people seem to enjoy it and, and appreciate it. And, you know, it's just kind of like you go day by day, uh, just trying to stay ahead of one step ahead of everybody, you know. That's pretty much all I'm doing, and I have people that I'm I'm in ministry over that know more than I do, and yet they're willing to follow me. So it just it kind of blows me away. Um, <clears throat> but you notice what happens here. Um, God took these seven loaves of bread and a few little fishes fed all these people and then ended up with um, seven baskets full of leftover look how he multiplied that um, it just it's just amazing what God can do when we're just giving others what God gives us that's really all we're doing' we're, we're just we're just a conduit we're we're you know and, and, and I was an accountant um, in my secular life <clears throat> and we have these things called uh, pass-through entities and stuff, um, companies and that sort of thing. The, the, the corporate structures, they have some that are just pass-through entities. You know, the assets and, and revenue and everything just passes through to the beneficiaries. You know, that's all we are with God. We're just, we're just here for him to pass his blessings through to others. Uh, and that's why I said we just, you know, kind of try to stay one step ahead, a day at a time uh, with people in, in serving God. And, and so, you know, that's what he did. It says in seven loaves and, and fishes, he gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and disciples to the multitude. We're pastor entities. That's all we are. So just just open up and let God use us as that conduit. It says they all ate, and then as I already read in verse 7, they took up seven baskets when they were done. And they that did eat were 4,000 men, besides women and children, so a lot of people, to feed with seven loaves of bread and a few little fish. And then he sent away the multitude and took ship, ship came out on the coast of Magdala. Look, just do what God calls you to do. Just give them what you have. Be a pass-through. Share with the people what God has given you and move on. Now, there are other ministries out there. We're just one small cog in this big wheel, in this big machine. Let God use you to whatever extent he can. And, you know, when it's all done, you get to go home and be with Jesus. Where's the harm in that? It's a win-win situation. So, just, you know, go out there and feed the 4,000. God will do that with you if you simply allow them to. Once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll be here next time when we move into chapter 16. Thank you and God bless.